Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walterslaw, my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we are back. Finally, we've uh, been kind of busy the last couple weeks, so as a result, we have a loaded show for you again. Plenty of things to discuss, several games to talk about. The Ducks finally got off the uh, losing streak. Uh, Of course, they uh, only won a couple and then lost again, but hey, they broke that nine-game crazy losing streak, so we'll talk about that. Plenty of injury news with the team, unfortunately, lately. Uh, If you want rumors, we've got plenty of rumors as well on this show. They've been heating up. Uh, of course, during this losing streak, which is kind of expected. So we'll talk about that. And as well, the um, league news, uh, we'll talk a little bit towards the end, along with some fan questions to cover all this stuff. So we'll kind of dive into it uh, like we've done in the past. We won't like recap all the games necessarily. We'll just kind of break down uh, some of the uh, you know paired up matchups because most of these games you know, are two and two, basically, that the Ducks are playing uh, this season. They did uh, finish off the month of February with one game against Vegas, which this game was kind of interesting because the Ducks actually played well in this one. They ended up losing. But the bigger news uh, is what we talked about in the last show, Eddie, is that Adam Henrique returned finally. If you remember, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to get traded. He got sent down on waivers. He then cleared the waivers. As I wrote about in my article, he ended up going on the taxi squad for a while and they brought him back up and on the team. So I thought that was a good boost, bringing him back, um, seeing him score as well. Uh, and it looked like the Ducks had this game in overtime. Uh, Fleury just making a bunch of crazy saves. Otherwise, the Ducks would have won this. But uh, even though this was also still in the middle of this losing streak, this game, I thought the Ducks played decent. You know, they outshot Vegas, they dominated in the faceoff circle, and they kept them off the um, scoreboard on the power play too, Eddie. Uh, it just, you know, it was one of those nights where um, they just came up short in overtime. Yeah, they also they also out-hit the, um, the Golden Knights 32-19, to 19, so that, that you saw that, that physicalness come out of them. It wasn't a bad game. Yeah, they did lose the game. They extended their, their losing streak and their winless streak in February, but this is one of those games I talk about where you could take this loss, but you can hold your head up high and say like you tried and gave it everything you've got. Unfortunately, they ran into a really hot goaltender right now with Flurry, who made some spectacular saves, and I think he was the main contributing factor as to why the Ducks did lose this game. Uh, Henrik coming back, starting on the third line and, and working himself up, and then him scoring that goal and getting all the love from his teammates. I think him being back in the lineup energized the, the team. And everyone was trying to play, I guess, a little bit better, I guess, for him and trying to get him. You know, I'm sure everyone was trying to get him that goal. Like, hey, that welcome back goal. And, hey, I belong here kind of goal. That's how I kind of took it. I like how they fought They fought coming back from behind. They just they didn't back down. They kept going. Unfortunately, former Ducks, is, you know, Carlson had something to say about that, having a, a good game. And it seems like Carlson and Theodore, these former Ducks, always seem to get some points or have uh, more of an elevated game when they play the Ducks. Yeah, both of them. They they seem highly motivated. So you know, t- t- two names you don't want to hear uh, too often. And then uh, when they do well against the Ducks, is added uh, frustration there. 
you know, you mentioned the Ducks coming back. We saw a little uh, of that return in some of these games where the Ducks were getting down and then starting to fight back. We remember the comeback kids, which was a big thing for the Ducks. We remember them coming back in third periods, which was another thing. We even had uh, that T-shirt, which I started posting the logo of that uh, again, uh, you know, talking about the third period is, is, is ours and that they can come back. And, and we saw that, too, when they played uh, against the St. Louis Blues. They, they lost both these games, but, uh, you know, in the first one, the Ducks got down 4-1, to one, and you thought that this game was over, and then you had Lundstrom pretty much taken over, getting uh, his first hat trick. Uh, he got, you know, two goals in the third period after his first one to, to do that and to get the Ducks back into it, and the Ducks ended up coming up short. Um, you know, we've seen Zegers play some more games, too. You had some excitement here. He tried the Michigan play, right? Uh, looked like he was about to score. We're very, very close. And everybody going nuts on the internet about that. Uh, so, you know, s- some good things in this game. Uh, like we said, you- you're seeing the-, the younger guys play a little better and-, and get some more ice time. But, you know, getting down 4-1, to one, never a good thing. Especially uh, not against the St. Louis Blues uh, in this first game. And, you know, same thing. They got down. Uh, in the second game, 2 nothing to St. Louis. They were able, again, uh, to rally like we talked about, uh, coming back uh, a couple times in that game, but they fell short in that one, 3-2. to two. So uh, kind of a theme in both these games, the Ducks got down by multiple goal margins, which was the bad part of them. Uh, the good thing is that they did rally, even though they came up short uh, in these two. So, I mean, that's kind of the takeaways of these two games, but uh, unfortunately the losing streak continued, Eddie. Yeah, and that Michigan attempt was amazing. Almost had it a little bit lower, and that would have been his first NHL goal, and that would have been the absolute greatest that you could have seen. It would have absolutely destroyed the internet. People would have been going nuts, and that would have been just so great to see. You know, I hope he tries this again for his first NHL goal. I think it would be something special, and I know that fan a few a few shows ago asked how, how the Ducks can get more on the radar and the spotlight. Obviously, a, a goal like that for his first NHL goal would definitely get the Ducks on the spotlight and have everyone talking for a while, especially in the hockey world. Um, it, it was a, a good kind of you know hard-fought game for them to come back and try to make it interesting. Of course, um, a lot of fans question if Aikens did pull Gibson too early because Getzoff scored after the, the Blue scored on the empty net. So it's, it's kind of unsure you know, I, what I can say about that. I know he was just trying to be uh, desperate out there and get that extra skater out there to provide something, but, but who knows? I guess it, it worked for Patrick Wall back in the day when he pulled the goalie. I think it was like eight minutes left in the third period, and the Avs are down by two against Boston, and he pulls the goalie with eight minutes. I thought that was kind of bizarre too. But that uh, uh, Lundestrom kid really, really broke out of his shell. He's been itching for a game like this, and he finally uh, his hard work got rewarded. He had a few of the chances again in Vegas to, to earn them a win. Just Flurry just was standing on his head. It's really cool to see this kid starting to find his groove and, and I want to call it swag. Hopefully he can find that consistent scoring and, and kind of just be one of those you know top six players that Ducks desperately need and get some more goals on the board. Um, I think what what really killed the Ducks once again, and we, we always talk about this, is the power play. They only had one goal out of the four chances, which that's probably a significant improvement from all the zero opportunities or zero chances they actually score on the power play. So I guess that's the, the silver lining in that. But it wasn't too bad of a game, but it wasn't that great of a game. It's, it's kind of in between right there. Yeah, and that's kind of been the theme for the Ducks. One thing that's been kind of concerning is the penalty kill, which had been very, very good this season. We saw start to decline 
Uh, in that first game against uh, St. Louis, they gave up uh, one power play goal. And then in the second one, they gave up three power play goals on all three power play attempts. So, you know, they give up four power play goals in these two games, which wasn't good. And that's something that's kind of a theme we'll talk about a little bit later on when we go over the stats. But, you know, one thing to look at uh, that that wasn't a good thing. Uh, One thing that'll make some of you happy, because, you know, a lot of people are are kind of upset about Zegris's ice time. He had a lot of ice time in these two games. Actually, these were the games where he really played a lot. Yeah, the previous games, he was only averaging you know, 13, 14 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, this first game against St. Louis, he had 17 and a half minutes. And then the second one, he had 20 and a half minutes, which was his highest. So he got a lot more time in there. He also got his um, first NHL point, uh, a broken play on assist. Uh, I, I know there was confusion uh, at, at different plays that he's been on where they, they thought... And maybe he had scored or whatnot, but he, he ends up getting an assist on this one. He gets another assist later in these games. He's still looking for his first goal, as we talked about. But he's at least getting points. He's getting chances. And and here he did get more ice time. So that was, the I guess, the good thing in these two games, seeing that. And then seeing the young players, like you said, Lundstrom getting off, getting a hat trick, and things like that. So even though the Ducks were losing these games, you know we saw them try and come back in both of them. We, we've seen uh, Zegers get more ice time and some of the younger guys get more ice time. So I thought that was good, uh, you know, signs for this team pointing in the right direction. And, you know, then they uh, played against your other favorite team, two games against um, the Colorado Avalanche. The Ducks uh, lose the first, but then, you know, win the second. They, they finally, thank God, you know, get rid of that losing streak that we've all been stressing out about. Uh, or, or maybe not. Maybe you want the top draft picks here. Like, keep on losing, right? Eddie, you and I kind of talked about that before the show. But um, they did at least break it in these two games. And and to me, one thing I've noticed, uh, even with these Blues games and Av games, you know, even though um, obviously the Ducks uh, lost three out of four of these, but the games have definitely been more entertaining, Eddie. Um, you know, with the Ducks, they get down, they, they rally, they come back, or they have like these seesaw battles with the Avs. So if you're, you know, like one of those people, because I've had people hit me up like, I'm not watching the games anymore, you know, they're losing, whatever. I do have to say that at least these, some of these recent games have been at least a little bit more entertaining, even when the Ducks do lose. Oh, yeah. It was fun to watch against the Avalanche. They were a really fast and exciting team. They were without Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, but they still were able to get things done and have their depth players provide goals for them. But it was a good, I guess it was a good loss. I know no loss is ever good, but a game like this, once again, you can hold your head up high with that pride. You, you, you went out there, you played a sound game. At times you were out playing the Avalanche. They were chasing around. It's just unfortunate. You, you, uh, during overtime, you left Nishkinen out there, and he just kind of powers his way and scores on, on that, that OT to win it for the Avs in that first game. Uh, but it, it wasn't that bad of a game. Like, it, for fans that don't want to watch anymore because you're frustrated, I understand. I get it. But a game like this was something that's really entertaining. And it was f- really fun to watch. It's too bad the Ducks just couldn't you know, get that, that point, extra, extra point in overtime. And, and if you thought that game was even uh, good, the second game was even better. The 5-4 overtime win. We had Troy Terry scored a, a highlight real goal that was ranked number two on the, uh, on the top goals on NHL Network, I believe it was. But it was just something beautiful, something where I, I was rewinding it a few times just to watch it over and over and over again. Just oh, it was such a beautiful and pretty goal. And the Ducks really played hard this game, and they really they they, they battled like they really wanted this win. They didn't let the elevation for that second day get to them or tie them down. 
they went out there ready and willing to to really go and, and get a win to break the that winless streak and they did it and that was really good to see the only question thing I had on this game where it was kind of like okay a questionable thing was Zegris not being in the lineup him him getting scratched which I understand the whole you don't want to burn a year off his entry level contract but if you're not going to send him down why scratch him that was the only thing I kind of was like was annoyed with this game as they didn't have Zegris in there the Ducks did take advantage of being on the power play went two for two I I want to say this is the first time. All season, they actually converted on all the power plays they've gotten. I can't recall a game where they scored on every power play they had, but that was good. Raquel had been, been heating up. He had a goal and an assist on that last 5-4 overtime win, so it's good to see him starting to pick up the pace after a slow start. Yeah, you talk about Raquel. He has been on fire uh, lately, scoring points left and right, and, and he will uh, be a topic of discussion in the rumor section later on in this podcast as he is probably the number one talked about person right now along with a handful of other players. But absolutely, he has been, uh, you know, he, he looked like he'd been waiting to break out this um, season. I, I don't think his play was that horrible uh, to start, and now he's uh, scoring goals and assists. Uh, like crazy has 12 uh, points in his last seven games uh, as we work through these but definitely um, you know turning it up or at least on the score sheet you're seeing it now and the Ducks like we said played entertaining games they actually were ahead in both of these games I I was a little frustrated with the first one when they let that one get away Uh, and then the second one they let it get away too and I know a lot of you thought this game was over but then the Ducks rallied late got a couple goals and then they um, you know, ended up going into overtime and and winning with uh, Getzloff, of all things, on the power play. Like you said, Eddie, I, I don't remember, uh, I don't know if they had any games this season where they actually scored in all their power play opportunities. I think this is the only one. But uh, so, you know, some good things in there. We also saw uh, Manson returned in the 5-4 overtime game, which was good to see. Uh, of course, now he's hurt again, as well, that will be another topic we'll discuss in the injury section. But uh, he did return. The thing that a lot of people questioned about Aikens and his coaching, uh, a lot of you are upset about Zegers and his ice time, which I totally get. And then in these two games, we saw something that the Ducks don't usually do. They went with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen in both of the games. And I wasn't really that upset with it in, the in the I guess, the beginning, the first time they did it. I, it kind of made sense um, that they did it. And I just don't really know why they did it in the second game to do both like that and then take out Zegers as well. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think uh, it, they kind of go hand in hand in this one because you had him scratch that second game. I think you could have played him. I know with Manson, maybe they were trying to work him back in or something like that. Or, or maybe he wasn't 100% because, like I said, he got hurt again. So maybe that would have been part of it. But uh I just thought that was weird, Eddie, the strategy of going 11 uh, forwards and 7 defensemen. Not in the first game so much, but doing it twice. I, I don't know. What what did you think? I mean, I know a lot of times coaches kind of overthink some stuff with the higher ele- elevation and whatnot and doing that back-to-back. Do you think that was something in there? Or, or maybe it was just the fact that Matson was back? Or, or just a strategy that Aikens thought would work against uh, your other favorite team, the Avs? Yeah, I have no, no idea. I, yeah, I like you said, the first game, I understand that it's Manson's first game back in a while. And then to play over there in Denver with the elevation, uh, th- that can really kick your butt over there. Especially for these, like, you, you hear interviews and these these professional athletes, uh, the ones that play over there uh, against the Broncos, ones that play against 
against over here against the Avs and the ones that play against the Rockies, they all say the same thing, that elevation really, really gets to them. Like when you go and visit over there, you're getting a headache already. Just being over there takes a while to kind of get used to the elevation. So I don't know if that played a factor, but in that second game, when he really got up to speed, he got that first game out of the way. It, it didn't really make sense for, for him to do that that second game unless he didn't want to change anything or change any of the momentum. The or I'm sorry, the Ducks had that first game against the Avalanche and wanted to do everything the same way. Obviously, it worked out because they actually got the they got the win and they they, they broke that that winless streak. But I don't know. It, it could it could have been Manson just wasn't like 100% ready to go and have that just that to run the sixth defenseman and have all that those minutes kind of piled on him that that soon who knows it, it's kind of weird in my book too but at least it worked out that second game and they got the win so I guess that's all that pretty much matters Doesn't yeah matter. I mean it, the, the games weren't you know pretty but I mean they yeah. started out good both games they like we said they got leads and then they, they let them slip which was the bad part obviously uh, in these, but uh, they got three points out of four against a really good Colorado team. Uh, as we talked about, we knew it was going to be tough when when them and, and St. Louis came over into this division. So uh, for them to at least do that here was decent. We also saw some uh, milestones too. You know, Getzloff's overtime goal was his 35th career overtime point, which tied him with one of my favorites, Yarmer Yager, for fourth all time on that list. And then, of course, another favorite of a lot of you out there, Ryan Miller, got his uh, 389th win in that overtime game, tying uh, another great player, Dominic Hasek, for 14th all-time on the list for goalie wins. So some good stuff there. Uh, You know, another thing to talk about in these two games, Eddie, that you and I also uh, discussed at the Lake Tahoe uh, game, because your abs were involved in that too, is we got to see them bust out those badass Nordique jerseys, which I loved. And then the Ducks uh, were going with their orange jerseys. I really like that uh, look in this matchup. I, I, I mean, I like the old school Mighty Ducks like everybody else does. I like the orange ones too, even though they're the newer colors. And I did like that. I, I thought it was fun to see them playing in those, in those jerseys for these two games, Eddie. Yeah, it was kind of different. You, you see the Avalanche wearing their reverse retro against the Ducks, those back-to-back nights, and the Ducks wearing their orange ones. I'm kind of glad a little bit the Ducks went with the orange ones. It's because it's something really different. And uh, it's, you know what, who really benefit uh, from that? Seeing all those Ducks fans that that went over there to Ball Arena to watch. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. There's no abs at, over there watching. Or there's no fans watching the fans <laughs> at these arenas right now. So, no, but no, <laughs> all jokes aside, it was actually... Something different, and it was fun to see. Uh, I, I wish teams would do this more often, kind of swap the jerseys around and have them wear their, their away or, or the Ducks alternate at some some other location, you know, to do it at, at Staples Center or somewhere else. So, so I, I kind of like seeing things, not all the time, but I like it here and there. I, I don't want it to become frequent like basketball where they're wearing God knows what jersey. It's like every time I go watch my uh, watch the Lakers with my buddy, they have a different jersey on. I'm like, oh, okay, what are these? And, oh, this is the... The, the month of November special editions was like, wait, what? Just month of November. But yeah, I think that was fun to see. And those Avalanche jerseys, they're so nice. They they, they were really, really beautiful. I, I still think they're the best reverse re- retro jerseys in the league. The Ducks did announce, too, that they're going to wear their reverse uh, retro jerseys on March 16th versus Colorado and on April 23rd versus Vegas. It's kind of odd they're only wearing those twice, though. It seems kind of a kind of a wasted opportunity to only wear those twice. Maybe maybe some issues sprung up with those jerseys that a lot of players didn't want to wear them or the coaching staff didn't want to wear them. Something like the St. Louis incident happened years ago. 
I don't know. They should have just, just kept it simple and brought back the eggplant jersey and everyone would have been happy. They probably would have wore it multiple times more than just two. Yeah, and I've heard from some of you out there too that, that you're really not happy about the fact that they, you know, one, that they went with that jersey. We knew that people were split on that when we did our poll. I remember there were a lot of people that either A, didn't like the Wild Wing jersey or like you said, they liked it, but they, they didn't like the coloring. So, you know, there's kind of a mix there. Uh, of you know it, it was just weird either people really liked it or <laughs> they really didn't and uh, the fact that they're only having it for two games I'm with you Eddie I, I think that's just kind of a disservice because you see a lot of these other teams are wearing them you know five six seven games and whatnot and I'm with you I really like uh, Colorado's alternate ones I like Vegas's too Calgary there's a bunch of good ones out there uh, and we actually had a fan question I, I think she's talking about uh, any jersey? I don't know if they're specific, but um, we had Kristen Miranda five zero nine asked about our favorite and least favorite jerseys. I, I don't know if she's talking about everything or whatnot, but I think we mentioned this before. For me, on the Ducks, it's always been that Stadium Series orange jersey. I love that one. For some reason, I just like the black on the sides and the web D on that one. It, for me, that's my favorite with the Ducks. This Wild Wing one. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's my least favorite. I, I don't hate it, but I'm I'm with some of you. I'm not as excited about it as much. Um, so for the Ducks, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I also like the one that we mentioned before, the black and purple where it says Anaheim Ducks just across it. It's like none of the logos, completely unique and different. Um, that one was back in, I want to say, 95 or 96, somewhere, somewhere in the 90s. That was another one I really liked, Eddie. But uh, I don't know if there's any ones that you really like or dislike that you want to throw out there too just because you know we had this question about jerseys i finally got my hands on a a premier cam fowler stadium series jersey after years and years of searching i finally got my hands on one of those but now i'm trying to get after an authentic one i found one online for like 800 bucks but that's kind of way above my budget i know those uh those skyrocket real high and it took me years to get this this cam one but i I like that jersey too but my favorite would have to be that black and the eggplant color kind of one it says just anaheim ducks right that's or it says like mighty ducks yeah that's the one i was talking about i think that yeah that one just my, my all-time favorite. I think it's beautiful. Their new reverse retro jersey, I don't like the screen print, and I don't like a lot of the, the material and how light it is. I don't like that portion of it, but the jersey is growing on me. I wore it a few times, so I don't hate it, but it's not one of my favorites. My least favorite are those alternate ones when they had a home and away alternate. I just... I, 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 I own a few of them, or a couple of them, just to collect them, but it's just not one of those jerseys that are really nice, and those would have to be my least favorite Ducks ones. But at least they had the Mighty Ducks logo on it, so that was pretty cool. But, um yeah, I know we talked about this before, but it's always fun to talk about jerseys. Like, who doesn't like to talk about jerseys, and, and who doesn't like to complain that Ducks don't have the eggplant jerseys? Because I'm sure there's 95% of you that, that still complain that the Ducks don't have it, and I'm probably, I'm probably one of those 95% that complain about that. But it's kind of odd too, Mike. I want to go back to the Ducks schedule on the reverse retro. I get wearing it against Vegas. I don't understand wearing it against Colorado, though. It just it seemed like it'd probably go back if you want to wear the old school, just to kind of wear it against the Kings and have the Kings wear that dark purple jersey and play a game against the Kings, especially when they have that five game consecutive games coming up to end the season. It seemed to be more, I don't know, something more marketing. Why is to wear it at that point? It doesn't make sense to wear it against Colorado, but hey, I don't make those decisions. And, you know, at least we get two games. It could be worse 
we can get zero games of seeing the Ducks wear those. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting with the Kings going with their retro, uh, you know, purple and gold. It would be perfect for the Ducks. And like you said, we just played the Kings here for two games. And uh, you could have had it then. They didn't. And then, like you mentioned, they're going to have that long streak where I think that's probably going to be what's going to keep us entertained. Uh, because like we said, the way the Ducks are going right now, um, making the playoffs or, or making a push to, to win anything of significance is not what this team's about right now. It's more about trying to figure out you know, the process and what's going to happen. But the Ducks did play the Kings twice um, you know, recently, and they ended up these, – these games were – Complete opposites. I, I don't know what happened. So, you know, the Ducks, like we said, they, they came out, they, they beat Colorado in that game. Then they had a wild, wild game with the Kings with just scoring, going back and forth. The Ducks kept pulling ahead. The Kings kept coming back. It looked like the Ducks were going to cruise to a victory. I, I felt like they let off the gas a little bit too much in the first game. Kings came back, but then the Ducks were able to pull it out in overtime and get the win. Um, Henrique, you know, he's up to his sixth goal there, and uh, he's piling away like doing great now since he's been back going through all that uh, nonsense that we've talked about but uh you know a fun game an exciting game like we talked about uh, most of these games have been that way uh with zegris in there it seems like he's interjected some energy and the ducks have played a little bit more up tempo i know sometimes that's the opponent too the ducks tend to skate faster uh, against la and against colorado things like that and then they play the kings in the second game and then they lay a big fat duck egg I, I, there's just no other way to describe it. The game after that was like probably one of the worst ones this season. Um, I, I don't know what the F happened in that game. They got blown out 5-1. to um, Kind of disappointing because you had this big losing streak. Then you had you know several of these, these crazy back and forth high intensity games. You know, they, they got you know two wins back to back. The only second time that's, that's happened in the shortened season. And you're, again, going against L.A., your rival, you just played a really good back-and-forth game where you almost blew him out, but you let him back in and, and you pulled out a win. And then this this other one, I was really disappointed, Eddie, the second game. It just completely opposite games. Just very strange. Yeah, and I'll start off talking about the second game so I can end my kind of spiel on a, a positive note. But, okay, let's start off with the 5-1 loss, even though it was the second game played. It was terrible. They looked out of it. I think the only positive thing about this game is Vinny Letary was the third star of the game um, for some reason uh, on this game. So that that was pretty good to see a player like him, how hard he's been working to, to be in the lineup. So that was good to see. But Ducks just looked flat. It, there's too many opportunities for the Kings, left players open, uh, allowing these players to get that, that second opportunity. And, and this time the Kings capitalized on it. And the Kings seem like a team that kind of waits until you make that mistake to capitalize on that. I've heard one of the announcers mentioning that too. And that's the way they, that's their style of play. And, and it doesn't hurt that the Kings have production from their, their veterans. Like Kopitar and Dowdy are just playing like they're uh, 10 years ago. They're playing really some really good hockey. And, and this this rookie goalie, the Kings decided to just bring in the last minute and start him. Like, I, I'm not sure if he was actually that good or the Ducks played that bad to make him look that good. But this 5-1 loss, the freaking Kings scoring four goals against the Ducks because the Ducks scored one on themselves, it, it was just bad. It, it, just, it was just a terrible game to see. Everyone thought this game was going to be more entertaining, more uh, closer, especially how the Ducks got their second, their second win of this month. And this is only their uh, their second time they actually got consecutive wins 
throughout this season. The last one coming was in July, or I'm sorry, January 26th when they beat Arizona one nothing. Prior to that, they beat Colorado three to one on the 24th. So this is the only second time they won consecutive games. I was thinking they were going to beat the Kings, but they didn't. So let me go back to the first game now, since I talked about it out of order, which kind of doesn't make any sense now, but I don't want to just keep talking about the negativity on it. Okay, let's talk about the fun thing now. The first game was awesome. The first game was entertaining. You got the little feel of the freeway face-off minus the, the fights. I wanted to see more fights than that, but this was a pretty entertaining game. And then, of course, you have um, Zegris, just that beautiful pass, stopping the goalie, bringing everyone just kind of watching him, fighting Henrique, and it's just... All Henry kind of do is just have his stick down in the ice, and the Zegers did everything. But it was a really fun. It was a really fun game. The Kings surprisingly only took one penalty, or only I'm sorry, one penalty was called on the Kings. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, I have rephrased that. And um, yeah, so we all know the refs are sometimes weird, and sometimes they're on vacation too, or I think they have their mask over their eyes sometimes. Who knows? Ducks did not convert, but it doesn't matter. The Ducks still got the six-five win, and it doesn't matter if the Ducks are a Stanley Cup contending team or dead last in the league it's always always a good day when you are able to beat the kings the icing on the cake is my buddy hits me up with last minute bet saying hey 20 bucks the kings will be the ducks tonight i took the bet and i beat him so i won 20 bucks so i ended up donating that 20 dollars too so it was just still a moral victory on both ends for well me. good thing you bet on the first game and not the second game so that that worked out for you there but uh yeah it's just weird weird sequence here with these two games so uh, we'll kind of move to the next segment and talk about all the hot topics with the team that's going on. Uh, you mentioned Zegras in there. Uh, Zegras has now played that seven-game uh, minimum this season to you know, burn that first year of his entry-level contract. Normally, it's 10 games, but the shortened season is down to seven. Uh, we'll kind of go over some of the stats here. Uh, you know, a lot of you know people questioning the ice time, which, like we said, in St. Louis, it was much higher, 17 and a half minutes, 20 and a half minutes. But then it went back down, right? He, he he got scratched in one of the Colorado games. The other one he played 13 minutes. The one where the, the Ducks did well and beat the Kings, he only played 8 minutes and 46 uh, seconds, which was kind of weird. And then he went back up to 16 and a half in the, the losing effort. So his ice time's been all over the place. Um, so far, he's played a total of 8 games. He's got 2 assists. He's been plus 2 uh, on the ice. And he did have a good uh, shootout goal uh, back against uh, you know Arizona last month, but obviously it's not a regulation goal, so it's not considered his first goal. But uh, you know it's an interesting situation having him up here because people I think have mixed feelings now. Everybody wanted him up, they wanted him to play, but now people are frustrated with the. Uh, I guess it was the lack of ice time in the beginning. Now it's more kind of inconsistent because we have seen him get in there and get a lot of uh, you know good time, but then. Other times he's pulled back and then he's scratched. Uh, so some people are frustrated um, that he did burn that first year. And now it's it's kind of like the Ducks might as well keep playing him because, I, I mean, what are you going to do now? I mean, you're not, you're not trying to preserve anything at this point anymore. Whereas other people were kind of like, hey, once he got scratched, there was that whole discussion. Is he going to go back down and just stay there? You know, he's at the six games. Let's not go to number seven. Uh, people were trying to figure out what was going to happen, right? Because we didn't know for a little bit. And then obviously we found out. Uh, for me, I, I think the big thing is how this team moves forward. And I, I kind of look at Zegras as, I guess, a microcosm of all the young players uh, for this team. I, I think the biggest thing 
is we know this team's not going to be a contender. We talked about that before the season. That's like we beat a dead horse to that in all the podcasts. But this team needs to figure out how to utilize their players. And I think part of this problem, you and I have talked about this, has been chemistry. And Zegers hasn't always been on the same line. And honestly, if you look at these games, other than the fourth line, you really don't know who's going to be on what line. It's been changed up all the time uh, and switched around. And I think that's a big problem because the guys aren't necessarily gelling. We've seen some of them do really well, and then things are switched up. And yes, injuries have been a factor. We'll go into that. That's going to mess up some stuff too now a little bit. But I think that's really the issue is trying to pair up and find a decent line. And I was talking to one of my good buddies about this too. You remember back in the day when you had Silverberg, uh, Cagliano, and Kessler. That line was out there every night, and you knew they were going to go against the other top line. They were going to shut them down. They were going to add some timely goals. They were going to help on the penalty kill. And that was a re- reliable uh, line uh, forwards. With this team, I feel like, well, we know the fourth line. You're going to have Grant Delorier on there. Uh, used to be rounding until rounding got hurt. Um, you know, you're going to throw one of the other forwards down there. You, you know that that's just the fourth line and it is what it is. But with these forwards, the problem is, is you don't know who's going to be on which line and, and necessary which lines one, two, and three. And then with Zegers being different line mates, just like a lot of these other players, his time's all over the place, which it doesn't make sense anyways. He should still have consistent time in some of these games. If he's with a certain line, he shouldn't be held back and then substituted in with Grant Delore. We saw that in some of those games, which I don't understand that at all. So I, I, I don't know. It's a combination of things, Eddie. I, I mean, I'm excited to watch these games because he's out there. He's getting assists. In some of these games, he's been really close to getting his first goal. So for me, that it is something um, to, to watch for and be excited with. But uh, trying to work out this process of how this team is going to, you know, go forward with the rest of the season and then of course next year i don't i don't know it's just it's a head scratcher it's really difficult to figure out yeah i i don't know what's going on um i I don't want to keep saying it so i'm just going to say the i word you can go ahead and fill it in mike if you want to but just they don't have it and it's weird to watch and it's like some of the the moves they make are questionable um yeah if if you're gonna give all there's no point to send Zegers down at all. It's just like if you want to send him down, you, you should have done it already because you burnt that that one year off. It's, it just doesn't make sense. And then if you're going to bring him up, play him. Let him get a feel. Let him embrace in that development. Let him let him go out there and have the opportunity to score his first goal. Let, let, that, let that fuse get, get lit and have him hungry for more and just don't don't kind of don't healthy scratch them. That that's what pissed me off because like I'm sure a lot of these players, or if not every player, wants to pride themselves on being able to play every single game and not be held off the how uh, healthy scratch. Like he he doesn't have that. He can't have that pride saying he started playing his first game and he hasn't missed a game in X amount of games because they they just healthy scratch him for who who knows what reason. I, I still don't understand what the whole logic of that was. But he he's getting close. He had a lot of great opportunities. That Michigan just that attempt shows his confidence level he has at the NHL level. And it's only a matter of time before he gets his first goal and then the floodgates will open. And I think with more time and more responsibility, uh, put him out, uh, out there in those high stress chances like that. The, and I, and, and over time, the three on three, that's a stressful situation. One little mistake and you have other guys having an automatic rush going the other way, but he held his own. 
he he seemed like a seasoned vet, knowing what he exactly what he wanted to do with that puck when he had Henrique open, and and he he got the win for us, and and it was great. He helped get the win, obviously. He didn't score the goal, but still, I don't know. It's just it's just weird how they're kind of managing this. I'm not the coach, so I I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, but. I know it's just getting frustrating to see him having a significant amount of minutes one game and then it just diminishes the next. It just doesn't seem like it's going to help him gain that momentum and that fire to, to kind of be consistent and, and kind of develop properly. Yeah, like we said, that, that's been part of the issue is having these lines and switching them out. Another part, not, not trying to make excuse, but our, our favorite thing, injuries are coming back into this, which has just been nuts. Uh, you know, Manson was gone for a while. He comes back. Now he's out with a lower body injury. We had Terry also go out recently with an upper body injury. Um, we saw Max Jones take a deflected puck to the face. Um, he was out, but then he's come back and he's been playing. Uh, we also found from uh, Eric Stevens that uh, Jamie Drysdale took a puck to the face uh, while he was playing for the goals. And that's why he's been sitting on the taxi squad because that's been another question. A lot of people are saying, well, how come Jamie Drysdale has not come up, especially with these injuries with um, also uh, Lindholm, right? We learned with his fractured wrist, he's out for six weeks. So now you have him out, you have Manson out again, and, and people were thinking maybe he would come up, but they're trying to get him going again, uh, Drysdale that is. So I don't know if we'll see him yet or not. I, I guess it really depends on how long uh, Manson is out so that's that's definitely made some problems and we've seen some issues already now the Ducks uh, penalty kill has just gone down big time it used to be you know one of the best in the league now it's under 80 percent it's at 77.9 so now it's at 18 percent not doing as well there unfortunately the Ducks have done better on the power play and the goals for right the power play is up to 12 and a half percent and their goals for is at 2.26, which was better than like the one point, whatever it was before, right? It's still both not great numbers, but Ducks have done a little bit better in offense, but now the defense is going down. Um, losing these players isn't helping either. We also know that Milano is now out too as well. They haven't really said what that injury is. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Rowney's going to be out for a while. Looked like he really jacked up his knee in that collision. So this is another issue, Eddie. I, I mean, it's just going to be a rough go of it i i think uh, you know maybe they do throw uh, drysdale in there if manson's going to be out for a while maybe that would add some more excitement and maybe change some things up um and, and you know maybe you can throw him in there same thing for six games or whatnot uh, i don't know we'll have to see uh how it goes but it, it's just like when it rains it pours with this team it, it seems like there's a combination of things going on that are working against them i, I think it's the the injury part is some of it uh, these these lines that are not being consistent with uh, Aikens uh, in there is not helping at all. And, um, you know, we'll get to it later. But, uh, you know, obviously there's some other issues in, in the front office too. But, uh, man, you just seem like they can't get a break They, they with the injuries other than uh, we did get Cooley back. He did get off the IR. And kind of weird he was put on waivers too like Henrique, but then he cleared and now he's playing with the goals. So, um, that's kind of where we're at with the team, Eddie. I, I don't know if you have anything else to, to kind of assess like why the season is the way it is, but I, I just think it's a combination of all these things. Yeah, I, I, I think I finally understand what Murray meant when uh, when he said Henrique is not alone. I guess he was planning to put goalie on waivers <laughs> anyway, so I guess he's not alone. I don't know. This is a weird season with everything going on in the world too. It makes it that much more weird. Uh, it just, I guess we have to just wait and see, uh, and hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Uh, that, that that's all we can do at this point. Um, 
still tune in and hopefully the Ducks could start improving those little things they need to improve on and they can get something going and, and kind of just do something with this team. And I mentioned before the I word, the identity, and figure that out though. Like that's something extremely important that every team in the league needs to be moving forward and trying to find out what, what they're going to do and, and how they're going to proceed as a team. So I hope they can figure this out. They have, you know, they have a couple more months to play. Uh, obviously playoffs is kind of out of the question. So we just might as well enjoy these games as they last, even though some of them are really hard to watch and, and they get frustrating, but just you're a Ducks fan, stand behind your team, win or lose, 0-82, and 82-0. You know, we're still Ducks fans. It could be worse. We could have grew up a Kings fan. And, you know, over there, who cares, the Kings. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like I said, we could just hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and, and just know that one day this team's going to be out of this funk, and we're going to have a, a great future. We have Zegris coming up. He's been fun to watch. We have uh, some other prospects that – that are going to come up soon enough. Hopefully this season we get a little taste of what they can do. Um, if not, we also have we have other players too that are stepping up to the, to the I guess to the to the rink and showing what they can do and showing their potential. And who knows? Hopefully, like one of those will be you know, our next star, or superstar. You just never know with the development of these players. So hopefully that trends upward. But what I really want to see is the Ducks just kind of find out an identity. And if it's not the identity I want, I don't care. If it's not that that Dirty Ducks style of hockey that I've been desperately want and think the Ducks have more success in, so be it. At least they have something, though. That's one thing I just really hope the Ducks can figure out before the season ends. Exactly. It's all about the process, you know, and, and trying to get this uh, team in the right direction and then carry it on to next season because that's what we're going to have to look forward to. Uh, it's not really, you know, any, any winning anything other than trying to figure out uh, a, a winning formula, I guess you could say, uh, for this team night in and night out. So uh, before we get to the second half, which is tons of rumors, uh, some more league news and, and some of your fan questions as well. I uh, just want to mention that the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. You can go to their website Use the code word uh, ducks and pucks, all one word, get 20% off and free shipping. Um, last time we talked about it, I had used the product. I liked it. Um, very helpful uh, when you got to you know take care of that area. Uh, and, and Eddie, I know that you've used it now. So what do you think of their, um, you know, the products that we were able to try out? I love them. It's awesome. I love the, the razor especially that light it really really clips those hairs because i sometimes i miss hair and it irritates me and i have to just redo it again and that it's all it's always it's never ending I, I was really impressed with the boxer briefs they sent me extremely comfortable probably the best boxer briefs i've ever worn and yes this is an advertisement but i i would be saying this i probably wouldn't be talking about my underwear on the show regardless <laughs> but no they're just uh they're really comfortable and i'm gonna make a purchase on more of them i i, just, I like the way they felt it, it just felt great, but it was cool. I, I do want to try their nose hair trimmer because I, like, I'm like i the kind of person where I fill hair and I'll get my tweezers and pluck them. Ouch! But I noticed when you pluck them, yeah, it hurts, number one, and then it starts getting kind of infected because it's open pore. And, yeah, I looked, I researched that. So I'm going to try out that that nose hair, that nose hair clipper. But if you're if you're wondering to try this out, it's a great product. I like it, and I'm really picky. Uh, my buddy, he uses it too. He used it before. Uh, I guess before it was a cool thing to do. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. So, yeah, check it out, uh, manscaped.com. Like I said, use the uh, discount code Ducks and Pucks. 
All right. Well, another thing that's happened, not really a surprise or anything, but with the Ducks going on that big losing streak and everything getting crazy, uh, there's just been rumors galore basically with this team, even with uh, the coach, uh, the GM, players. Uh, so if you love rumors, that's what we're going to go into right now. If you're tired of them, I'm sorry, but there's just a ton of them, uh, even though some of them we, we pretty much know aren't going to happen, but there's some other ones that could happen. So uh, some different ones that came up lately. Uh, Getzloff was talked about again. We kind of got some clarity on that situation, which Eddie and I actually mentioned before uh, when it, it came up earlier this season and it's right in line with what we said uh, Murray um, you know speaking on uh, NHL.com saying that uh, for Getzloff to be traded uh, you know if he wanted to go to a contender which is what Eddie and I had talked about especially if he was going to retire after the season as what Murray talked about and said that that's totally up to him it'd have to be his decision obviously with his no movement clause and that there was some kind of discussion about an extension too so it looks like it can go you know, one of two ways. I think Eddie and I lean more towards the extension part um, because anything that would have to do with being traded, he, he would have to want to do that originally. And he's talked about before staying on the team and trying to win another cup. Obviously, we know it's not going to happen this season, but I, I'm leaning more still towards what we went with originally, Eddie. Uh, you know, we even had a fan question from uh, Brian Boz if we think it's time to uh, let him go and build around a new captain. I, I, I think that's kind of one and the same thing. Maybe not necessarily. Uh, you know, if they give him an extension, bring him back. I don't know if they necessarily make him the captain. I mean, it's a one-year extension like they did with Solani all that time. Uh, if it's that, or maybe they make him an alternate. I, you know, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen. But it would really depend on, obviously, A, him getting an extension, and B, how long it would be. Yeah, you know, I don't think I have an issue with Getzloff and his captaincy. I think he's a great captain. I think he's probably the best captain in the league, if not one of the top captains in the league. Um, I think he always has a home in Anaheim as long as he wants to keep playing. Uh, I think he's he's earned that that right a little bit, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think he's 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 still a player that that you can build or like he he can he can give you so much more than than what he's showing on the ice. His leadership ability, his work ethic. Uh, I I and I guess how to handle adversity would be another one, and and I think a future captain will have to know how to handle that and just kind of follow and get off footsteps to have that success as a captain. Um, like like you said too, Mike. Uh, we we heard Murray talk to uh, talk to NHL.com about this. He, he's not going to go anywhere, and we're not really going to let him go unless he wants to. And I, I don't think it should be one of those things where it's like, hey, we should we should try to get something for gets off and trade him. We're gonna to have to eat up some 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 of his salary, and we're not gonna get that huge of a return from a team that's just trying to to load up for a, for a cup run. Uh, I I think he's good to stay as, as long as he wants to, and as long as he can just keep adding to something part of this game. But he he's been with the organization forever, uh, since he started his career. He helped he helped us win a Stanley Cup, and I think he prides himself on, on that one team. And I, I think we're, we're we're lucky to have a captain like him, and I, I want to keep him around as long as we can and, and let him go when he's ready to retire and then we can build around that i think the most important thing right now we can still build around a new team it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the captain there's been captains that played on fourth lines before but they were just the, the 
that captain material, even though their skill didn't match that that C, you don't always have to be the best player on the ice to get the C. I know uh, a few of the players that it was, seemed to be trending that way where the best player gets the C. But no, you have to be the right player for that captain C. And, and I believe Getzoff is that right captain right now and will be the right captain for the next few seasons and as long as he, he wants to stay and keep playing. Yeah, and I think that's the key, like you said. It, it, the ball's in his court, so, you know, he'll... It, you mean the puck is Oh, yeah, or, or his net, whatever, <laughs> however you want to play it. Some kind of sports term, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 up to him. I mean, he's the one that's going to ultimately decide that, and, I, and I'm with you on that. Um, I, I honestly wouldn't be upset however it works out. I, I know some people are, are like, you know, bye-bye, you know, let him, let him go and get someone else, whatever. I I think he's earned the right to decide which way he wants to go, and, and if he – whichever way he goes – that's up to I'm, and to me I, that's not really gonna upset me that much or that big of a deal to me honestly. But if he does want to keep playing and stay a couple more seasons, I think it would still help the Ducks. I think he still has game left, and I think he still adds value like you talked about. But that's one one piece I guess of this of where the team's gonna go in the future, right? The direction. Another big piece that came up just this last week is Ricard Raquel. He has been on fire. Uh, like we said, 12 points in the last seven games. And because of that, he ends up as number three on TSN's trade bait top 20 list. And we've also heard that Calgary has inquired on Raquel and that they have been told that the price is too high. So this is an interesting situation too because I like Raquel. I think he adds a lot of value to the team. We're in a situation now where his value is extremely high. If you want to trade him now and get, you know, a, a top draft pick, um, some prospects, or, or maybe a rostered type player that you really think is going to help, and other stuff, I mean, this is the time to do it. Um, emotionally, I like him, and I'd rather keep him on the team. <laughs> but if you're talking about just strictly trade value, uh, this is, you know, maybe now or, or a little bit closer to trade deadline if he keeps on doing the way he is. I mean, this is a pretty good window right now. Um, to see what the Ducks could get for him, Eddie. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I like how you added there that emotion word because I have that emotion too to the player. I like him. He's one of my favorite players in the Ducks. I have his jersey. I get, got to meet him, and he signed my jersey. So it's like I have that attachment to him. But but then again, I'm, I want to do what's best for the Ducks. And like like I know it's a kind of a overused terminology, but – that logo on the front is more important than the name on the back. So as long as, as we can get the Ducks winning, that's all I care about. With that said, he, he's hot right now. He's on fire, and his value is just just trending sky high. I think he could, you know, probably be worth a first round and a, a top prospect, especially with um how, how high his ceiling is right now. Those twelve points in the last seven games, he's just playing nuts. It seems like the puck is finding him, and he has that that confidence back again. Yeah, he had that slow start, but he just kept saying like he was just going to go out there and he's going to just play his game and everything else will come, the points will come, and he was right, it is coming and he's playing well. And the only the only point or the only time he didn't have a point was his last loss against the Kings. But other than that, he's been consistent. So like teams can see that that potential in Raquel and and how he can be, be, get on the score sheet consistently. It's especially playing on a team like the Ducks right now where they're that that bottom team. So if the Ducks really want something to, to do something drastic and, and move into a, that rebuilding faster 
uh, faster, they can trade Raquel, and, and they're going to get a huge return for him. And it's 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 weird that that Calgary inquired about him too. So obviously teams are calling about him, and the more points and the more he stays hot, they're going to keep calling on him. I I just if they're planning to trade him, like you said, this would be the time to do it right now. Don't wait until he starts cooling down, his value starts going down, or some of these teams that would overpay for him go out and get someone else and overpay for someone else. So you have to make a decision on that too. Or you could just take a gamble, wait to the deadline where a lot of teams do kind of overpay, but I'm not sure if it's going to be that crazy this deadline, especially with a shortened season and everything. So I just you have to figure out what you want to do and not just kind of sit in your thumbs and Ducks get two wins and think you're off the hook for the rest of the month not to do anything to make this team better. Yeah, and it's kind of a repeat of the Henrique situation. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we talked about that news of New Jersey looking into him, right? Mentioned the taxi squad. He, um, you know, cleared waivers and got put back on the roster. But he was at a point, too, where he was just killing it last year. And the Ducks could have got a ton for him. And it didn't happen. And now they're, you know, trying to do that here. And it, and it, it didn't work, right? You know, it kind of backfired on the Ducks because his, his contract was too much. Um, you know, nobody even claimed him off waivers. Uh, so with Raquel... If you let that window go and he doesn't stay hot, I mean, it's a gamble. It it could potentially be a similar situation. The only difference I would say, you and I talked about this before the show, was that if you put Raquel on waivers, he's going to get picked up. (laughs) He doesn't have this crazy high amount contract like Henrique does. Um, So that, you know, and and obviously that's not going to happen. The Ducks aren't going to do that. But I'm just saying right now, not only is he playing well, but his contract's super affordable. I mean, you have a lot of, a lot of options with Raquel that you 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 had some with Henrique and now they're completely gone. Um, so it, it'll be curious to see what the Ducks do with that situation. And then Henrique too, um, uh, another team that maybe cropped up that we were talking about, Eddie, was Columbus because they're looking for a center. And that was uh, from Elliot Freeman. So, I mean, I, I think we got to look at both these guys and see what happens the next couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I I can't see uh, Henrique going at the trade deadline, especially with his cap. It's going to it's going to do a. If he goes, we're going to have to take on a bad contract. We're going to have to eat up some salary. It just I can't see a team doing a swap. It's it's going to be too many moving parts for Marie to handle. So I I don't think he's going to do that. Um, Raquel is one of those things where you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, all it takes is for the team to, to offer the right amount, to offer that little bit of overpayment, or for Murray's case, a player that he that he's had his eye on for the last few seasons and just kind of enticed in the trade. But it's going to be interesting like how this trade de- deadline works and, and what the approach Murray's going to take uh, when it comes up and, and who's going to stay with the Ducks and who's not, especially if they continue to, to drop games like they did in that last one against the Kings when they just – had zero fight at all, so it might be it, it might be a big eventful one, or the Ducks just might not do anything at all and stay put, knowing that they're going to be, you know, out of a playoff contention soon enough. Yeah, another name that comes up that I, I would say would go more with the Raquel type thing would be uh, Heinen. You remember there was about a week there where uh, the big part was the Canucks and the Ducks. Uh, talking about him and Britannian too as well. Uh, they had Thomas Drantz from The Athletic was talking about it um, that came up. Uh, again, Elliot Freeman, he was talking about uh, Grant possibly as being someone that Vancouver would look at. 
But looking at Heinen, I mean, he hasn't played a lot. He's been scratched. This is one of the things that a lot of people have been upset with, too, is you have Zegers not getting as much ice time. You had uh, Terry and Heinen being scratched, where Grant and Deloria were in more. And we're again, we're talking about, well, what, what, where's this team going to you know, um, progress and go towards? Uh, it just seems like, to me, it's inevitable with Hyden that he's going to get traded. Maybe maybe it doesn't work out with uh, Vancouver. I, I don't, you know, Bertanian, it's weird. He, he's played well for a couple seasons, and, and then now he's not playing so well. So his value has really dropped, and um, I would keep Heinen over him. But it still doesn't mean that there could be some kind of other deal for him to go somewhere else. I mean, it just seems like... I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what's going on, but he just has not been out there that much in these last several games, Eddie. Yeah, it's almost pointless to even keep him around if you're not going to play him. It just you might as well just see what you, see who wants to trade for him, see if you can bring someone that that gels or meshes better, and are I guess one of those change of sceneries if you have another player that has that potential and maybe a change of a scenery can spark something up for him then go ahead and, and, and trade him. It just makes no sense just to keep ha- having him around in the taxi squad or having him around just being scratched all the time. Uh, if he's going to be traded, get traded just uh, for Vertan, and I, 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 I don't want him traded for him. doesn't seem like it's going to help the Ducks all, you know, all so much, and whatever issues he's having in Vancouver seems like just be brought up to the Ducks. Just too inconsistent for me. But it's I don't know. That's a really really weird one. I and maybe he's in the doghouse. Maybe he did something that the coach didn't like, and he that's 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 warranted all the scratches. Or maybe their intention is not to keep him long term, and they don't want to keep playing him. And he gets injured, and they're kind of just stuck with him. So I I don't know. Hopefully, just they have to figure that out. And hopefully, if they do trade him, they trade him soon, and the Ducks can get someone that can kind of bring a little bit more scoring. Uh, scoring that's what we desperately need to the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd watch that name. I just think that that's one of the ones that if it's going to get moved, I think he is just because of what we've seen so far. He just hasn't been out there. Uh, another one that was kind of surprising uh, is Delorier talked about on Pittsburgh Hockey Now that they had talked about the Penguins maybe wanting to add some grit. I know you, you found this uh, when you were looking up some of these other rumors and stuff. I thought this one was kind of interesting. Um, you know, we, we heard about the other kind of BS with Gibson and, and the Pittsburgh, which I really don't see that happening. Um, you can listen to that show because we went into all that. But th- this one's kind of uh, a surprise to me. I don't know. Deloria get moved? I I don't know if the, you know, the Ducks would want to do that. I think he still brings value to the team. Um, obviously, it's, he's not a high-scoring guy, right? He's more of a role player. He's that fourth-line guy getting into more physical stuff fights and whatnot standing up for his teammates things like that uh, but i think he still has you know value for the team i, I don't know I, I just don't see him getting moved but it, it's kind of interesting that you know if a team wants grit and they want someone like that and they talk about the penguins um you know maybe there is a market for him but i would i would tell you i'd be bummed because this is one of the guys i i really like you know just because of the way that he uh stands up for the team and delivers those hits and fights when he needs to because you know like we said he's kind of that old school dirty duck type player so uh, i don't know what do you what do you think about deloria i'm kind of on the fence i i I don't think he would get traded but if someone really wants a grit player and they they overpay then then maybe maybe he is on the chopping block yeah i i don't know i i I believe that the for first uh contending teams there would probably be a market for him especially 
you know, he brings that grit, and he's one of those players that, hey, if you're going to run around and start start knocking our top players, you're going to have to answer to me. And he was the league leader in fights last season, so obviously he doesn't shy away from dropping the gloves. And he's one of those players, kind of the kind of the Ryan Reeves kind of level player where you just don't want to mess with him or, or mess with the team knowing you have to deal with him. There would be a market. Uh, I'm sure teams will, will call Murray about him. I don't want him to go. I think he still adds value to the Ducks. He can chip in those occasional points, but he does bring that grit, and he has that, that kind of that intimidation factor. We have a lot of young guys, and I, I just don't want to see these other teams kind of take liberties or taking runs at Zegras more often because they don't have a player like Delorier that can keep them in line and kind of police the other players. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those names mentioned because the the Pittsburgh Penguins do need that to add some grit to their lineup. Uh, Deloria was one of the names mentioned, but I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he's uh, he's safe for the trade deadline uh, and safe for the trades coming up. But you just never know. You just never know what the right deal can come, or you have no idea what what Murray's thinking, or or we see Deloria's on on waivers one day. Just oh, he's not alone again. Like who knows? <laughs> I. I I hope he doesn't go having that emotional attachment to the player because I do like him a lot. So, well, he's my favorite player on the Ducks right now. But also that professional uh, opinion that I don't want him to go because then we really are one less guy to police the ice. And with Manson out too, that's just that's, that would be two guys less to go to do that policing to other teams if they want to try to take liberties to our, our young players, our up-and-coming potential star players. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, he's one of my favorites too. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that he stays as well. I think the um, the one that we know, which I don't know why he came up again, but Gibson was mentioned uh, by SB Nation. Uh, and I just i am kind of tired of this, uh, you know, but I bring it up because, you know, people are bringing it up. Uh, to me, I, I don't know if anybody's really 100% safe on this team, uh, but if there's one player that I would pick and say, hey, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be here for a while, or at least through the end of the season, I would say Gibson. Uh, this, then this article kind of reaffirmed that. They said that the Sabres had shown interest in Gibson in the offseason. They said they hit up the Ducks recently too as well, and the Ducks just told them no, which we pretty much figured was the answer anyways. I, I, I mean, not really surprised. Um, but you know, it just goes back to are the Ducks getting phone calls on players? Of course they are. They're going to be getting a lot. The rumors are going to keep on going because the team has been losing. Yeah, they they got out of the losing streak. They won a couple games, but now they they had this horrible game against the Kings. And then you know who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. But with the Ducks being down towards the bottom, there's going to be tons of these rumors uh, going around, Eddie. But uh, I don't know how you feel, but I'm pretty confident unless someone's going to like, I mean, it'd have to be some mega crazy good offer, but I just don't see Gibson uh, getting moved, at, at least not in the near future. Oh, no. And like I said before, I can see Wildwing getting traded before I see Gibson getting traded. I don't think he's he's going anywhere at all. I think if you're every team in the NHL that aren't the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're going to be calling to see if Gibson's available. Uh, that's the the right thing to do. He's he you know he's probably the top goal, probably top five goalie in the league. I I, I want to say before the Ducks uh, atrocious play, he was probably the number two goalie in the whole entire league. So it'd be dumb enough for teams that that want a a, a goalie that's locked in long term at his caliber not to be calling on the Ducks to see if he's available. That aren't Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky and he's. He's the best goalie in the league, I want to say. So 
he's not going anywhere. The, the only way I could see Gibson getting traded is if you bring in another GM, you fire Murray, you bring in someone else that doesn't have any attachment to these players, someone that wants to really shake things up and bring a huge and massive return to the Ducks to kind of expedite this rebuilding process. But that's really slim. It's not going to happen. And, and it, it, even if that does happen, Murray does get fired. I still can't see someone trading uh, trading Gibson, especially a, 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 a quality goaltender that, that could be a superstar with the right team around him. Well, he is a superstar. I'm sorry. He is a superstar, but be that just that next level goalie with the right team around him. And it's funny because you bring up the whole thing about Murray and the change of the front office and all that. So we had all these rumors going around this last, I don't know, what, week and a half or so. So no one's immune to these uh, rumors, right? So then another one comes out with Murray and Aikens as well because you all know that Daryl Sutter's now gone. Um, he ended up, uh, you know, he was being an advisor to the Ducks. He ended up uh, going to Calgary as the coach there. And Canadian radio's talking about the Ducks and things going on. And they were saying that uh, Murray was going to uh, boot Aikens and give um, Sutter the job. And that um, basically Sutter was, uh, you know, turning down the job because he didn't want to have to cross the U.S.-Canadian border because, you know, he lives up in Canada. And um, basically that all fell apart uh, in the um, interview of the press conference when they named him as coach because he talked about wanting to go to either Calgary or Chicago. Well, Chicago is in the United States the last time I checked. So the whole thing about him not going to Anaheim over the border or whatever, uh, that, that pretty much fell apart. And uh, I, I just don't see that as, as any of the issue. I, I, and then, you know, Murray also ha- recently had a, um, his comments about saying that he has faith in Aikens to counteract that. So unless that's a complete BS, you know, I, I don't see, you know, him trying to push Aikens out and then bring in Sutter. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I've talked to some sources too connected to the team and they they never heard anything like that. So uh, it's just more and more stuff going on uh, with these rumors. I, I think the thing too, a lot of us have talked about this. We've had poll questions and a lot of you are, are frustrated with Aikens and Murray and you want them gone and moved out. And a lot of people um, have been harping on Aikens too with what's been going on. And I feel it with what with a lot of you are saying as far as the lineups, um, the ice time, you know, why are you putting in these certain players and then these other guys are benched and things like that. Um, so I'm not surprised that these kind of things are coming up with, with these guys. But as far as the direction of this team and trying to fix it, and just in general, because uh, we're talking about players, now we might as well talk about the coach and the GM and, and you know rumors about them. Uh, I don't really see anything happening with either one of them. Uh, I just don't. Uh, right now, unfortunately, and I and I saw some people talking about you know maybe they just write out their contract and then the owners let them go or bring back one and not the other, and, and it seems like that's kind of the path that we're on. I mean, I, the thing for me is as I don't think if you just take out Aikens that that's really going to do anything, because if you take him out, you still have Murray around, so that's my issue. You know, is if you're going to take out Aikens, you might as well take out Murray too, and. I, I don't know. I just don't really see that happening, um, Eddie. I, I think more of these types of rumors are going to come up because, again, the Ducks are losing. They're not doing well. You're going to see everybody's name mentioned uh, in there, except for Wild Wing, right? So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just it's just gotten crazy with this stuff. Uh, it seems like every other day, 
somebody's posting an article or a social media post talking about this kind of stuff. And I, you know, I, of all of them, this is the one I think least likely to happen. The only way I see this is, uh, like you talked about, a big major shakeup, uh, new owners take over the team, the Ducks get sold or something, or there's like some crazy massive uh, a losing streak again, a, another 9-10 game losing streak. Maybe something shakes up stuff. But barring any of that, I, I just don't see there being a change with Akins and Murray um, you know, this season. So the rumor of uh, you trading yourself from Ducks and Pucks wasn't true either. I, I was kind of wondering if, if, like, like how the hell are you going to trade yourself out of Ducks and Pucks? Yeah, you know, try to <laughs> no, work it out somehow. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know what? I know some of these rumors, and I, I know some some pages that post them, and and fans are like, oh well, you know, they're not credible. Well, the fans blow them up, and then other people start getting wind of it, and it just spirals out of control. So we have to talk about them. We have to discuss them. We get a lot of questions for them too. You know, a lot of fans, you know, they have full time jobs, they have other responsibilities where they don't have the time to sit there and research and and to validate all these claims. So it's kind of our job as a running and, and part of Ducks and Pucks to if you have a question or if something comes up Ducks related for us to do our due diligence and do research and be able to discuss it and give our opinion and tell you, hey, well, here's the sources we get it from, or here's what just it's someone blowing smoke, but it blew up and we have to discuss it. I don't think uh, some of these rumors, you know, some of them are really far-fetched and just kind of just seem made up. But, hey, we're still here because obviously they blew up and they had so much fan and engagement and so many fan questions that we have to discuss them. That's why I kind of make the joke about Mike being traded. He's not going anywhere, so don't panic. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just it's it, you're just going to have to expect this, you know, and that's why we address this too because some of them blow up and then uh, – <laughs> Then my phone starts blowing up, and I get messages and, and DMs and texts about this, that, and the other thing. And and then a lot of times, you know, I've started holding back on stuff. I'm not commenting on things as much as I used to because uh, it, I'm just not going to feed into some of this. I, I mean, some of it we, we try to comment on right away or we see something and, and we t- try to talk about it. But uh, some of these other ones, you know, there's certain websites, too, that thrive on this. Uh, There's that one, the NHL Trade Rumor website, right? They also talked about Aikens and Murray. Uh, And we've we've heard that website talk about Getzloff, too, and other players in the past. And then there's no sources. There's no nothing. It's, It's just, oh, this could happen. Or they just take what some other person said, and then they just repeat it. So, you know, something is posted by someone. Um, They're just like, oh. Uh, they said that this guy might be traded and now we're, you know, we're going to say he's going to go to this team. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? Like, they just said that he's on the trade bait list. They didn't say this or that, you know, or, or whatnot. So just always think about that. Consider it. If it's a website that's a rumor website, well, that's what they do. They post rumors because they want people to look at their website. I mean, I'm not saying that that's wrong or right or whatever. I'm just saying that that is what it is. That's what they do. I mean, that's what they're geared towards, where ours is geared towards the Ducks, right? And 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 how well or poorly they're doing and then all these kind of things. So it's just not going to stop. There's going to be plenty and plenty of stuff coming out. And I, I just, like I said, I think some players will get traded. Absolutely. I think we're going to see that happen for sure. Um, I, I just don't see the changes with Aikens and Murray. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, man, that that, um, that that makes me mad. I get it. I totally get it, but I, I really think that Murray does have faith in Aikens. From what he said, I'm taking you know at face value, and I think the owners have kind of given Murray the keys, and he runs the team. 
um, with maybe you know a few exceptions on maybe big trades or something like that or buyouts or things like that. But I think he he runs most of it, and uh, I know uh, that the owners go to most of the games um, from the the employees that do actually get to go to the games. I've I've heard they're there, they're watching. Um, I don't know if they're seeing what we're seeing. Maybe you know they're seeing something different. Unfortunately, they're not really that available to the media, right? Um, we, we hear from Aikens all the time. We hear from Murray here and there, but we don't hear from the owners at all. So I, I think that kind of adds to the problem of this team too, is trying to know what direction this team is going and what they want to do and how they're going to fix it. And I think, unfortunately, um, you know, no communication doesn't help in this situation. When, you know, when you're winning right? Everything's fine. It doesn't matter. You don't care if you, you win by a goal or 10 goals. You keep winning most of the games. Winning solves everything. Then when you're losing and you keep on losing, the opposite, whether it's one goal, 10, whatever, the questions start flying, right? And the owners have been silent. They haven't really said anything. So we're kind of like, okay, are we going to ride it out with Murray and, and, and Dallas in there or what? Like what, what's going on? Or are we going to like you know, uh, go big and, and trade a whole ton of people, you know, like send gets off to a team that can win a cup, you know, get Raquel, the values high, try and, you know, do Henrique again, like all, all these other things. And I think that's where a lot of fans are getting frustrated now because it's not just the losing it's, it's what's the process. Where are we going for the rest of the season and beyond? And, uh, we don't really know a hundred percent, uh, Eddie and hence why we're talking about all this. Yeah, I, I can see fans losing their minds come trade deadline, and Murray does as usual, just one-for-one one swap trades for kind of the similar player you're trading for, or he just brings in like a, a seventh defenseman or something weird like that. It's just going to push fans over the edge. That's just going to be kind of crazy. But I, I wish there was more communication on, on what's going to happen and what's going to go on. Uh, as, as now, we don't know. I know the Rangers a few seasons ago got got some crap because they posted a letter out telling their fans, but basically we're 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 calling it, and we're just gonna just go on a full rebuild. I, 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 I huge respect for them doing that, and I, I and I, I can appreciate them being honest and upfront with their fans. The only issue I had with that is they did it way too soon. Like I, I don't even think they were fully out of a playoff spot before that that letter went out, but at least they had that communication with their fans. And I wish the Ducks would kind of give that same communication to their fans and let them know what direction their team is going going in or, or what's going on. Like these little cute words they keep using, it just it's not cutting and it's not really working out. And fans are just so like, okay, well, what's going on? You have a lot of fans asking, well, hey, can the Ducks go on a big win streak and make the playoffs? Or can the Ducks do it? It's like, we don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not really going to matter here, but it's just like, it's a lot of false hope, and that's what's kind of kind of getting me annoyed and irritated. Just be up front and be straight out with the fans. If if you see this team the way it is, and you call it anything but a rebuild, then obviously you're not something's wrong, and you shouldn't be in an advisory role or a professional role with the Ducks if you you can't see this team for what it is. And these, like I said, these cute words that Murray likes to use, these little feel-good words, it just it gets annoying. I just wish they would just be up front and be like, look, the team stinks. It's going in that direction. We're working on it. We have a lot of stuff we have to do. Bear with us. You know, I, I, I hope you're with us You know, through the good times and bad times, but at least we have some kind of direction and know what's going to go on right now. No one knows anything. Yeah, we're just in the dark. I mean, that's, that's the big problem, unfortunately. And I, I think... Uh, like I said, a lot of people don't necessarily talk about it. it. It seems like a lot of people are so focused on Aikens and Murray, which I totally get that 100%. But, I mean, 
what are we doing as an organization? I mean, nobody can legitimately answer that because we really don't know. I mean, it's a win now. I mean, come on, let's be serious. This isn't a win now. Let's let's be real. That that's no. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I get so irritated with, with all that stuff. But, you know, if you're thinking bringing in Shattenkirk is your big move in the off season, and then bringing Grant back, and then you're going to win now with just those couple moves. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you tried to build up the defense and help out a little bit and whatnot. I get it, but kind of in the dark. So, um, we're starting to wrap up the show, but we've got a couple things around the league we want to talk about. There, there is some interesting stuff going on. Uh, with the draft and television and things like that. Maybe some stuff that'll be a little bit better because we went off on the draft lottery last time. We weren't really happy about it. Uh, I know a lot of you have not been happy about the TV coverage and things like that. So I'll have Eddie kind of go into some of these and then we'll um, answer a couple of your fan questions real quick. And, um, you know, that'll be it. But uh, you want to talk about some of the league news, uh, Eddie, for this next segment? Yeah, I wanted to start off with a did you know thing. Um, I came across a few clips and I did some research and I, I found a, an, an LA Times article by Helene Elliott and apparently Wayne Gretzky wanted to sign with the Ducks but they didn't want to pay him more than Slani and Korea were making at that time. It was about $3 million. Gretzky thought it would be exciting to come to this organization owned by a successful global corporation as Disney but they just didn't want to pay him more than Slani and Korea. But I think that would have been crazy. He ended up going to to the Rangers. He wanted to play with, with Mark Messier too, so he ended up going over there. But I think it would have been kind of surreal and kind of insane to even have Gretzky seen Gretzky in a Ducks uniform. I think that would have been nuts. Gretzky, Slani, and Korea. Uh, that that just would have been like out of this world. Even though Gretzky was but 35 years old at the time and he was kind of windling down in his career, it still would have been something exciting and. and pretty cool to see i just seen gretzky's name on a ducks jersey that's just really odd and i didn't know this at all until i came across these clips and I, even when i came out some of these clips like no that can't be true someone's just blowing smoke up my, my butt and trying to get me to, to bite in which i did because i went and researched it more but I, I found the article i was like oh pretty much it was true his his agent talked about it too I'm like all right that, that's pretty that's pretty insane that'd have been nuts mike imagine seeing gretzky i would have had a Ducks Gretzky jersey. I think everyone would have had a Ducks Gretzky jersey. Yeah, that would have been crazy. I mean, what would the Kings fans have done? <laughs> it'd be it would be like oh, they would have lost. You know what I mean? Mind. It would have been like uh, we we know Solani. You know, right? He went to the Sharks for that brief you know moment in his career, which a lot of people don't talk about. But if if Solani went to the Kings, oh man, I don't know. I would like I don't know what I would do. So it's like if Gretzky came to the Ducks for a little bit during that time, I mean, we would have been like hell yeah, like. You know, how would they have been? They would have been like, really? You you, you could have gone to any team, but you went to the Ducks? <laughs> you know, like if imagine if Solani went to the Kings. I mean, we, we would have been we would be like, what? What are you talking about? So uh, that is crazy. And I and I, I wonder what would have happened. You know, one of those what ifs. So um, that is very interesting. And I did want to add, too, that um, we sent our condolences to his family, too, because um, just this past week, uh, Wayne's father, uh, Walter, did pass away. So just wanted to put that in there, too. Trying to keep it positive, but, I mean, I, you know, we want to you know, give out our, our wishes to their family as well. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, would have been a crazy time, Eddie, for sure. Yeah, and uh, Slani never played on the San Jose Sharks, and that's my lie, and I'm sticking to it. I choose <laughs> to erase that part of my Slani history out of my database in my head. I just don't want to picture that. I'm getting sick to my stomach. I feel like vomiting. <laughs> Think of that. 
So that's just one thing that I'll keep. Uh, I'll just lie to myself and say that never happened. <laughs> so <laughs> moving, uh, moving forward, the draft lottery. I know a lot of people. It's kind of weird and how a lot of people seem that like it was rigged and blah blah blah. Not to go back and talk about the past and bring that back up, but it seems like uh, they're trying to change it up a little bit. Uh, Chris Johnston reported that uh, some potential changes are going to be teams limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. So they want to avoid the kind of Edmonton thing, winning, winning, and winning, and just not really going anywhere after that. Um, teams are going to be only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. And reduction in number of picks decided by lottery from three to two. I I think these changes are are good, especially limiting teams winning the that lottery because it just kind of wasn't fair. You like how many chances do you have to give Edmonton to win that many times and then them still be that bad of a team? And I really do feel for bad for players like Drysaddle and Connor McDavid. They're exciting players, and I think on other teams they would be thriving and, and probably be trying to rack up championship or Stanley Cup championships. But for some reason, Edmonton just can't get it together. And they always just have that, that bad luck, that curse where they, they can't make that next step, especially when they have the top player in the world on their team. And then Dreisaitl is probably a top five player in the in the world on their team. So I don't know. I, I, I like these changes they're proposing, and I hope they move forward with them and make the draft, I guess, a little bit fair for other teams too. Yeah, I'm with you too because, you know, one of the complaints that we had in this last one was you had uh, the ability of any team uh, to, you know, to move up. And so, I mean, it was a little bit different. Obviously, we had that that weird playoff, right, where you had these these teams that, had spots, but you didn't know what the teams were because they hadn't played those series and it was all weird. But the fact that those could jump up so high and then they actually did, I, I just thought that was ridiculous. I, I felt that it, you know, I wrote the article on it. We talked about on the show that they should have kept it to the actual like bottom, uh, I forgot what we said, seven teams or 10 teams or whatever it was that that number was. Um, it escapes me right now. But, but it, they should keep it to that and limit it. You know, you shouldn't be this like quasi playoff team and then be able to jump in a top three pick. I just think that that that's ridiculous. So I'm happy with these. You know, uh, if they all go through or some of them go through, Eddie. Yeah, and then our our next thing too. Uh, ESPN they signed a seven year deal. Uh, so NHL TV is going to be merging and will not exist anymore. So I guess the ABC slash ESPN coverage will uh, be handling four of the seven Stanley Cup Finals, one conference final, 25 regular season games, and then ESPN Plus will stream more than 1,100 games. ESPN and Hulu exclusively stream 75 national games. Regional blackouts still will apply, so if you have uh, trying to watch the Ducks on Fox Sports West and you don't have Spectrum or DirecTV, then you're kind of just stuck... Uh, you're stuck in the same situation that you were in and you won't be able to watch them. So I really hope something gets figured out and fans were able to watch their games. Uh, I agree. We had, what was it? L Kloss asked, uh, you know, as much as ESPN is annoying, you know, what are we uh, most excited about seeing from this new TV deal? Uh, I mean, the, some of the sound effects, right? I saw some people cracking up about that, right? The old school Mighty Ducks footage with the ESPN sounds. Uh, that cracked me up. That brought me back to, uh, to the early days. So I'm looking forward to that. But I do hope it helps uh, with people seeing more games. I, but I'm with you. I, I think for the Ducks, 
uh, with Fox Sports and, and prime tickets, so so to speak. I, I don't know if it's really going to help as much, but maybe with some you know those national televised type games and things like that. Um, I just hope that it's more accessible to people. Uh, you know, just the sport in general. Um, if, if that'll work out, but you know, they're still going to have those blackouts too. So, um, I, I kind of got mixed feelings. Um, it's kind of, you know, like I said, brings me back to the old days, but I, I do want to see how it's going to play out. I, I think it's going to, um, help in general, but I don't know if it's going to really help, you know, all of us duck fans as much. Yeah. I, I have personal opinions on ESPN. I don't like them, so I'm not too excited about that. And that's just my personal opinions. That I won't go on the show with but i just want to see uh, these games more accessible to fans uh so they can watch them um i, I think it, if, if it can bring more fans especially espn plus i know like a lot of people have disney plus who are yeah disney plus hulu and that package so if if more fans can have that availability to watch the game it might bring in different fan bases and stuff like that too nhl tv it's going to be hard to kind of convince someone that's never watched hockey to to pay that that monthly fee or pay that one time cost for it, but if you already have ESPN or Hulu, or something like that, it might entice fans to, you know, to try to go out there and, and watch or not fans, but it, like fans of other sports, like people that just like sports in general. If they see a hockey game on, they might be like, hey, well, it's on ESPN Plus. Let me just check it out, and they might fall in love with the sport, and boom, you have a new fan. So I, I think that that's the uh, that's the most the most exciting thing I am. I'm happy about, and I really hope they figure out these regional blackouts and, and have uh, Ducks fans have some more access to it because it's not really fair where you're just kind of limited on what you can watch and what you can't. Yeah, I agree, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping, like we said, that it's going to work out better for them in the long run. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, whether you like them or not, they're, they're coming. So we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll talk about it more as it develops later on um, down the road. Um, with that, we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, we've got tons of fan questions kind of run out of time, but we'll, we'll take a couple of them here. And we're sorry for the, the other ones we didn't get to. I know we answered some throughout the show um, as well. But we had a couple more, obviously, with the direction of the team, kind of similar themes. We had uh, Yo, hey, it's Chris on IG asking about uh, the assistant coaches, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people don't talk about that. They keep talking about Aikens and, and uh, Murray. And he's talking about you know getting rid of some of them. Um, to improve the power play and then we also have the jet uh 323 he says who gets fired at the end of the season if the ducks do bad which is what i was talking about is that i i feel like this team would have to you know just completely go on another crazy losing streak for anything to change and um the assistant coaches yeah that's another take i it's tough i i, I really think that yes um the power play it just been it's it's been bad and it's been bad for a while so I think if everything has a complete meltdown, uh, I, I think Murray might boot uh, Aikens and all the other supporting staff or, or some kind of combination of that at the end of the season. I, I could see something like that. As far as Murray getting the boot, you know, I, I don't know. We talked about it earlier, Eddie, with the owners and stuff. I, I really don't know if that would happen. But I could see some kind of shakeup if the Ducks just like straight up tank and do poorly, which is also kind of some other people have asked that question too. Are the, are the ducks trying to tank? And I've seen people out there about that. I even seen, I think it was Bettman made a comment about that. Like, well, teams don't tank and, and whatnot. Um, so there, there's part of that in there too, uh, because we have, you know, the draft, obviously the ducks want to get a higher pick, but then don't forget 
this is kind of morphed into a lot of things, but the um, the factor of this, we have the regular draft and the expansion draft as well, right? And then because this last year was so effed up as far as our schedules and routines and, and who's playing where, minor league hockey being canceled in some things, then being brought back, it's really hard to determine what players um, will necessarily be available and how good they will be for this upcoming draft. I think that's a huge problem too. So... I think in terms of Murray, they might, like I said, hang on to him because of the drafting stuff, even though we know it's Madden doing a lot of the stuff and a lot of the rest of the staff. I, I think that's part of the reason why he would stay. But as far as the coaches on the ice and all that stuff, if things continue to, to go downhill, I, I think then you may see some talks and some movement there. But that that's my take on, on these questions. Still got, you know, what, a month and a half to go, but... You know, maybe it happens. Yeah, I I totally agree. I, I don't think I can really add anything more to what what you said because everything you talked about, I probably would have said too. So I'm not going to repeat that. I, I do think though, if it came down to it and Murray got pre- got pressured, if the, those wins or those losses start piling up again, I think he'd be forced to fire uh, the head coach Dallas Akins. I think he would just fire him just to kind of save face for himself to let the owners know, look. I'm trying to do everything I can. I made this difficult decision to let go of the coach. Is it going to be his fault completely, the head coach? No, but I think it's something that Murray will have to do just to show, like, hey, I'm doing something to try to get this team to go in a different direction. But I I can't see any of that happening anytime soon. I think if we see anything, it's going to come next season, but not this season at all. And like you've said, too, about if they go on a a losing streak again, I still still can't see them firing any of the coaches or firing Murray. If they do, just go to full tank. I think they're just going to ride it out until the offseason and then changes, if any, will be made. And, and that's the sad part. That's what that's what people are thinking, you know. I, I like this other question, too. This one was kind of interesting. Uh, AVVN.S asked, you know, if the Ducks played, uh, or do you think the Ducks would have more difficulty getting wins in a different division this year? And, you know, I don't really look at it that way. I don't, I don't think... You can look at these other divisions. Yeah, you, you got some other teams out there not not doing as well. But I, I don't. I really don't think if you put the Ducks in any other division, like they would magically like do better. I mean, like we said, bringing in these other teams and rearranging it, we we knew that that wasn't going to help the team. We already knew like bringing in Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, these teams. We, we knew it wasn't going to work in their favor. But I don't think rearranging it would help them at all. Um, in any way, I, I think. Um, some of the teams in the East, too, are just as tough. And I think the Ducks being in the bottom of the division uh, now, I, I just don't see a lot of movement. I think they'd be in the bottom of any division, um, sadly. I, I, I just don't see uh, changing the um, the teams that they're playing is really the issue. It's it's the Ducks themselves that need to change and improve. Maybe the North or Mountain Division of the East Coast Hockey League they might get a few more wins <laughs> if they were in that division. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. No, I think it'd be the same outcome, especially if you look at their points that they have right now and look at all the other divisions and their point standings. The Ducks would still be in a, a bottom three spot. So it just it, it doesn't really matter what division the, they're playing in the four divisions that are in the NHL. They'd still be in that bottom spot. And the Ducks, and, and I think I want to say a lot of these games are their own worst enemy, and, and they're the ones that caused themselves to lose. Because we've seen teams just play mediocre and not have their best game. The Ducks still make them look like they're playing better than they actually are. So I just 
it's it's it's, it's just one of those seasons we're gonna have to just ride through it and hope hope for the best if not uh crack open a few more beers i'm still uh still dry this year I haven't had my my first drink it's tempting especially watching some of these games but hopefully i hit my goal in the next six weeks i can have a have a beer and hopefully hopefully uh, i can celebrate with a ducks win or something but <laughs> it's just just hang in there yeah guys. i mean that, that is the case and i'll end it with i guess one like off the wall question because uh, we do like different things and this is one where eddie and i actually disagree but uh, or i don't know if it's disagree but maybe preference uh i guess but <laughs> this one was funny we had shred in 37 ask you know what is your favorite lesser known horror film or films eddie um well i i know he mentioned he liked the movie that the thing in 1982 i i want to say stephen king's thinner is a lesser known or maybe because it's it's kind of so old back in 96 a lot of people don't really discuss it or talk about it some of the the actors that were in it i i just liked it for some reason it just it was it was good i watched it i've watched it like a hundred times i watched it recently too i forgot what platform it was on but i watched it i just i just pictured that old man saying thinner but uh yeah that's probably like my favorite uh lesser known horror films if it even is a lesser known maybe it's lesser known to me because i'm yeah it just it's kind of 96 i guess who knows but i'm a big horror fan i love horror movies that's my favorite genre of movies I like the gory stuff and the, the weird kind of stuff like that. Uh, my favorite, I guess, now horror movie, since I'm discussing it, is probably The Conjuring. That was the one that scared me a lot. Like, that was a scary one, but it was good. I liked it. So it was a good question. Thanks. If you guys have any questions, like off-the-wall ones, we're here to answer them. Just to kind of throw some fun into it. I know it sometimes gets a little frustrating having to hear, talk about the Ducks losing streaks, this and that. So if you guys have any other questions that you want to hear, or if you have uh, some of our sponsors, you have questions for that. Uh, shoot us those questions too we'll be happy to answer them if not we can always answer them uh, through dms i know a lot of you guys dm us and we go back and forth and talk i, I would throw out your names i don't know if you want to be mentioned on the show though so I, I just out of respect i won't but i we appreciate it i'm sure mike appreciates it I, i'm all, i appreciate it. it's a few of you i go back and forth with uh almost daily t- just talking about the team so just keep it up thanks for the questions and thanks for listening yeah absolutely and for me i don't like horror movies Sorry, this is where Eddie and I don't don't agree. We we'll go to a movie, but we I'm not going with you to a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, but but you've been watching like a a similar a sort of horror movie for the last few weeks for the Ducks losing streak. I guess that could be scary. Too. I guess that would be a horror movie. The the <laughs> Ducks on Ice. Uh, would that be the 2021 horror movie? <laughs> I mean, you could count that. I mean, you know the way it's going. Yeah, I, I guess that and that would be a a lesser known horror film, right? Yeah, uh, terrible, terrible. Maybe that Disney Plus uh, show of the Mighty Ducks bringing like maybe that will produce some uh, more offense and I guess more entertaining Ducks hockey. I know uh, Mark asked that too, so we can just wait and see when that releases on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, hopefully it's not too scary or bad. <laughs> yes, and I, I do want to see that. That that I am excited for. So some good stuff too, though, for you guys. Don't forget. Uh, Mercury Insurance is doing their giveaway of like flat screen TVs, jerseys, and all this stuff. Um, check out their website, uh, mercuryinsurance.com slash ducks to enter that. You only have a few more days left. I believe it's March 15th is the cutoff. You can also post um, a hashtag with a photo or video of you doing some duck stuff uh, or wearing some gear or whatnot. Um, Mercury Ducks Superfan is the hashtag. 
to look at. And they also gave us some stuff to give away. I'm, I'm happy to tell you that we have an autographed Lindholm puck and autographed Getzloff jersey to give away. And we'll kind of do what we did before. We'll kind of play that word game. So um, this show and the next couple shows, you'll listen for a couple words uh, at the end. And then uh, we'll tell you when it's done. You'll just email in the response and we'll pick two winners uh, out of that. So the word for this show will be ducks, uh, plural. So just listen up for a couple more, like I said. Um, we'll put them together and uh, we'll, we'll be able to give those away to you. So check out Mercury Insurance. We're, we're happy that they included us in this and trying to promote their um, contest and giveaway. And then they gave us some stuff to turn around and give to you. So um, look for that. And then, like I said, check out manscaped.com. Use the uh, discount code Ducks and Pucks uh, for 20% off and uh, free shipping. So we'll try to uh, have these, like we you know normally do, have the shows more regularly. But our, Eddie and I have had like crazy just schedules, so things have been weird. But uh, it means longer, more jam-packed shows for you guys. So obviously, we're going to cover all that stuff. And like I said, there's going to be more and more stuff that's going to happen. This is, you know, one of the more interesting teams in the NHL, um, as they always say. So uh, with that, you know, let's just ride this out for this season and uh, let's go Ducks.